What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Blue Delta Jeans post-game show is brought to you by who else? Blue Delta Jeans. The holy grail of blue jeans. The pair that fits you so perfectly, it's like they were made just for you. Because they were. Blue Delta Jeans is a Mississippi-based company whose one-size-fits-one jeans are handmade in the U.S. to fit you and only you. Both Brad and myself have multiple pairs of Blue Delta Jeans, so trust us when we tell you your search for the perfect pair or pairs is over. Blue Delta Jeans caters uniquely to your size. You don't even have to visit Oxford to get them either. Simply visit BlueDelta.com, BlueDelta.com right now. Don't wait and see your virtual tailor. Go online to answer 12 questions and be honest, a Southern man should never ask a woman weight, height, shoe size to provide Blue Delta your measurements. And once you've made your selections, submit your order and in just a few weeks, your custom made jeans will arrive at your door. As if you needed further convincing, Blue Delta jeans are the official jeans of Team USA in the Ryder Cup. And right now they're proud to offer their classic Indigo Smooth Denim jeans with the Ryder Cup logo on the watch pocket. So what are you waiting on? Blue Delta jeans are comfortable on the first wear, but will feel even better over time as the jean breaks in and they're made just for you in Tupelo, Mississippi. So visit BlueDelta.com today, BlueDelta.com, and use our promo code TOC for Talk of Champions, TOC, for $50 off your first purchase. That's BlueDelta.com, promo code TOC, for $50 off your first purchase. Your search for the perfect pair of jeans is over. Blue Delta Jeans, the title sponsor of the Talk of Champions post-game show. Ready? Ready. Wow, this game is over. The Blue Delta Jeans post-game show. It's more fun than it looks. With Ben Garrett and Bradley Sowles. This is the Blue Delta Jeans Morning After Show. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet, and Ole Miss is 8-2 and two after a 29-19 win over Texas A&M on Saturday, a game that both Brad and I both picked Ole Miss to lose and Ole Miss won, but not the typical way Ole Miss wins. 
almost dominated defensively, especially in the second half with two critical turnovers, interceptions to seal the game, including a pick six from A.J. Finley. Brad, what's up, man? How you doing? What's up, Ben? Yeah, you're right, dude. The, the one time in my life that I probably picked Ole Miss to lose based off of, of the matchup, um, we come out and play unbelievable. I have not um, I have not seen us play that kind of defense at Oxford in a long time. And honestly, I quite frankly, I enjoyed watching that game more than any game in, in, in Lane Kiffin's career. Um, I love seeing a good defensive performance. I mean, it was it was really, 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 really fun to watch. Ole Miss came out firing offensively 408 yards in the first half, but only 15 points. Finished with only 504 yards, which is a lot. But when you have 408 in the first half, 504 in the second, you would think that's a recipe for losing. But no, Ole Miss defensively stepped up and won. What was going right for Ole Miss defensively? What were they doing to slow down Texas A&M? Well, I think that the one key thing that this week opposed to the other weeks is is one thing, and that's so most of the year we've had to play with the spy. Then we've had to have Chance Campbell or Mark Robinson kind of spying. Well, I think this week that um, you know I, we did not have to spy this quarterback, which was which was huge. So Mark Robinson, Chance Campbell were hitting the gaps in the run game downhill really really hard, blowing up those guards um, and just getting a lot of penetration, man. And quite honestly, man, we got after their O line, which. Um, was something that I was worried about, and um, I mean, we, we we looked really really good. But I just think that that spy there, not having the spy, having an extra guy to to, to fill gaps, um, bringing guys in the box, um, making that guy throw. That was one of my things this week was you know shutting down the run, and we did that, and um, that was that that was key to to making this guy throw and beat us. And, and quite honestly, they only ran a few different pass concepts a And M, and I called it. I said we're going to pick off that Omaha route that they keep running out to the out to the sideline. They ran it 10, 15 times, man. We were, we were close. We batted it down a couple times, and you know, finally, man, A.J. Philly got one. What is an Omaha route? It's essentially like a like an out route. It's like an eight yards. You break it off at eight yards. Um, you, you usually play that versus, um, you know, soft and off coverage, which is kind of what we were doing. Uh, we were a little bit a little bit soft and off, and it's essentially like a, you know, like they kind of curl it out at eight yards, and um, it's, it's it's like an out route, but but you kind of you kind of curl it a little bit. So um, they ran it multiple times. That was kind of their 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 go to. Um, go to early down play and we, we were getting close a lot and they they were completing it but I knew um, you know later on later on in the game that, that at some point we were going to jump that thing well such a memorable day in Oxford Mississippi college game day was back in town for the second time in program history first time since 2014 Lane Kiffin was the guest picker which was kind of weird but he did as Lane does in national media circumstances and situations and did well and picked Ole Miss to win, picked State to win, and State came back and beat Auburn. We'll talk about that in Around the Circle. Got Brad's big thing, helmet stickers, and a lot of helmet stickers that we haven't given out yet this year, including Eli Acker, I think, is deserving of one. So we'll talk about that, too. But Ole Miss is 8-2, and 4-2 and two in the SEC. I talked to Peach Bowl CEO Gary Stoken on Friday, took a gamble, made a bet, hoping that I'd be able to use this thing, that it wouldn't be completely unnecessary or ridiculous to run this interview come Monday or Tuesday. And it's not because Ole Miss beat Texas A&M, and they did it with a strong defensive effort. And there are a lot of heroes in this game, but overall the day that was, did you go to game day or did you watch game day? What did you think just overall of the memorable day that it was? A lot of star-studded recruits were in town too. Yeah, I thought it was a great day for Ole Miss' program, and kudos to the fans too, man. The environment was really, really good. I think I texted you in the game, you know, they, they had it rocking pretty good. You know, they, 
um, a lot of former players there as well. I hung out in, in the tent with um, Timothy Strickland, which was really cool. Romero Miller, Chris Collins, you know, a lot of former players were back again um, on campus. So I just think overall, man, it, it, it was it was a great win for Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin being on there, I think his first head coach ever to do the picks. Um, I do agree it was kind of odd, but, you know, not not many coaches you get the kind of respect that Lane Kiffin gets when it comes to celebrity status. So just overall, man, I thought it was a great, great, um, great showing for Ole Miss, the, the university and the program. I just feel like, um, you know, you, you definitely – then when you go out there and play that way um, in that kind of environment, um, it's just overall a great day for Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin said, we came here to play in front of crowds like tonight – we came here to play in prime time and be on college game day. We came here to play great teams. And most importantly, we came here to win. Great game, great atmosphere. Let's keep it going. Hashtag party in the sip. That's Lane Kiffin on Twitter. But it was everything you'd want in an Ole Miss day. Not only was the crowd electric, not only was it on prime time, but Ole Miss, more importantly, won the game and did it in a way that was pretty dominating in the first half. What was crazy is that it was only 15 to nothing. A lot of that has to do with the red zone struggles that we'll talk about, I'm sure. But defensively, for them to have that day, they earned it. They deserved it. They deserved a day that was their day because it was not the offense's day. Good as they were in the first half, they were terrible in the second half. And I couldn't really pinpoint why the sudden shift to not really throwing the ball at all and a lot of short passes on third down, third and long. It was mostly trying to force feed the run game. And Lane Kiffin said afterwards, which we'll hear from Lane Kiffin in just a minute, that it had to do with adjustments that Texas A&M made. What did you see? Yeah, I, I think that, um, first off, I mean, I, I think that, that Lane was not going to let their D-line dictate this game. And, um, you know, and, and he did a good job of that, man. I mean, I, I know it seemed kind of conservative, but at the same time, man, you, the last thing you wanted was another another sack fumble or, or something along, along the lines of that. I just think that, um, you know, A&M was mixing it up pretty well. They were, they, were, they were running too high mostly, but, you know, later, later in the game they started – you know, bring a lot of good pressure and listen, man, our, that, that was another challenge of mine was, Hey, you know, how's our O-line going to hold up to their D-line? And, and there were, there were times where O-line were, was kicking their tails, but at the end of the day, they did have 10 tackles for loss. So they, they were making some good adjustments as well. That's a, that's a great defense with, with loaded with talent. And um, I think that, that Lane was trying to keep it, um, trying to keep it safe, trying to keep it um, a little bit more conservative. Cause, cause if you get back, you know, Dropping back a bunch versus that team isn't smart. You know that's um, that's, that's just not what you do versus a D line like that. Um, and they, 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 I think he tried to, you know, keep it from getting out of hand or getting any kind of crazy hits on the quarterback and um, try trying to take it when you can get it. And there were shots there. I mean, we took our shots at, at points in the game, but you're right. In the second half, we did get a little more conservative. But I think he was going to try to win that game with the run game, and, that, and that's what we did. In the last three weeks, Ole Miss offensively, the second half combined, 13 points. Three points against Auburn, three points against Liberty, and seven points, because I'm not counting the interception return for a touchdown by A.J. Finley against one Texas A&M that Ole Miss won. What is going on? Yeah, I don't know, man. I, 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 like I said, I think the, um, you know, the fact that Matt Corral can't run like he has you know, throughout the year, I think that, that is hurting us a little bit. Um, and you're right, the play calling is, has been a lot more toned down in the second half. I don't know what it is. Um, I don't know what their thought process is on that, but um, yeah, I mean, I think that um, you know, overall the play calling was pretty, you know, pretty toned down in the second half. It seemed it seemed a lot safer than than, than how it's been like that the last couple of weeks. I don't know why, um, but you know, you look at the first half. You know, if if we can punch it in the red zone, Ole Miss should should have been winning twenty nine or thirty to nothing at halftime. So, um, yeah, I mean, that we were getting our shots off in the um, in the first half. So, 
This is the Blue Delta Jeans Morning After Show. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. If you haven't already subscribed, Burt Review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say. As long as it's five stars, this podcast can be found wherever you get your podcast. Just simply search Talk of Champions. And I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of on3.com. Brad's a contributor at the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of on3.com. And you picked Texas A&M to win. So did I. And we both predicted Texas A&M to win. Texas A&M to win because of the fronts offensively, defensively, and the matchups with Ole Miss. But the offensive line for Ole Miss, especially in the first half, really carried the day. Eli Acker had a good day. Caleb Warren had a good day. And Matt Corral said afterwards that he's close to 100%. A week away, he thinks, from being 100%, potentially against Vanderbilt. And then you got the Egg Bowl in Starville, which is going to be a tough one, with Mississippi State battling back from a 25-point deficit to beat Auburn. But that offensive line, good as the defense was, and in the second half, it was a different story. And we're going to get to that. But the offensive line, patchwork as it is, had one of his very best halves in a long time in the first half against Texas A&M. Yeah, I would agree, man. I think that this is, this is what you call a classic. I almost view – when I watch the game, I watch the O-line, D-line mostly, and this, this is like a boxing match, man. Um, and that's the way SEC games are. That's the way NFL games are. Both sides were taking blows, and, and, and it was going to be a matter of who was going to get knocked out first. And, man, the – the, the O-line was going at them. Now, they gave up some, some sacks. They gave up a couple of, you know, 10, 10 TFLs, which is not ideal. But at the same time, they grinded it out, did a great job, made the runs when they had to, had a lot of explosive runs. It was just a good back and forth between the two. And, you know, a lot of times you get those games and, and one of the two kind of comes out there, hits one of them in the mouth and then shies away. And um, one of them ends up being dominant. Not this game, man. I mean, both both O-line, the Texas A&P line, almost O-line was a great SEC matchup. Proud of the Ole Miss O-line, man, for, for as much as they've been through this year. They really came out and performed when, it, when we needed them the most versus probably the best D-line they faced all year. And, uh, you know, they had their moments where, where it wasn't pretty, but, man, they they grinded it out. And, and kudos to Ely. I mean, I think you look at, you look at the way our backs ran. Um, a lot of times, you know, the, the, the hole was very, very, very small. And, and uh you know, Ely busted there multiple times where, where not only did he get his four or five yards, he turned that four or five yards into a 20 yard run. So, um, you know, any, anytime you got a running back that's running like that, um, which I'm glad to see him doing that finally, um, it's it, it's going to be a good, good recipe. And those guys were finishing. I mean, you look at look at the film, they were running their feet, um, getting that extra push to, to, to get Ely, Ely through there and then some of the other backs. So, yeah, it was a good win by them. I would say that. Um, you know, overall, that they're going to have to be very happy with that performance. And um, you know, Eli Acker coming in there was was something I've been waiting to see. You know, where's he been? Um, you know, kind of deal. He's he's got a good looking body, and I think there's multiple blocks where where he did really well on, especially that that touchdown with Snoop Connor. I mean, that was that was essentially him selling off that block. I said it to you. I said it on Twitter, and I said it on the Ole Miss Spirit message board. Jerry Ely has never been better than he was against Texas A&M in his Ole Miss career. He had never been better than he was Saturday night. He was the difference for Ole Miss offensively. He was the offensive MVP. For the first time all year, it was somebody other than Matt Corral that was definitively the offensive MVP. It was Jerrion Ely. Yeah, and another thing that that should be noted with that as well is that 
Ole Miss stuck with him and gave him his amount of carry. He had 20-something carries. I, I mean, I don't know if we've had a, a back all year get that many carries. Well, that kind of shows you, you know, when you got your lead back in there and you're giving him multiple carries, letting him get hot, letting him get in the rhythm. And, you know, he, he got his 20-something carries. He got, over I think, over 25 carries in this game, which is, you know, something that, that, that can really help a guy like that. You know, hey, get in there. We're going to keep sticking with him. If he, gets a, if he gets hit in the backfield, okay, whatever. We're coming back to you. You know, and he's making runs. He's, he's creating – you know, creating a rhythm for himself and man, it looked really good. And, um, I don't know if that was, that was the difference of him getting out there and getting in the rhythm, but man, when he runs like that, he, I can see, I can I can really see the upside and the potential there. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that was an awesome performance by him and it, it was really good to see you're right. He carried the Ole Miss offense. Um, and, and it was essentially the reason we, we won that game. Jerry on Ely led Ole Miss in rushing for the second straight game with a career high in both rushing yards, 152 and attempts, 24 moved to number eight, on Ole Miss's career rushing charts and is now at 2,055 career rushing yards, became just the eighth Ole Miss Rebel to surpass the 2,000-yard plateau in career rushing yardage. Here's Lane Kiffin following Ole Miss's 29-19 win over Texas A&M. All right, that was cool. Um, I know some – I feel like I'm usually down in here because we didn't like, you know, we won, but I'm complaining about something normally. And um, so I won't complain about a red zone offense right now. But uh, they got that out. No, that's a cool win, just a cool day. And, you know, I just kept thinking, like, we can just pull this off. Don't care if it's 2 to nothing, 52 to 51, you know, just to get to 8 and 2. And, you know, at the end of day of game day in the Grove, like it was, and all the energy and everything, um, it would just be amazing, um, you know, for this setting, for that to happen. And, you know, I'm not saying we're great, but, you know, it's a step closer from good to great. And we know that we can play really good offense and everybody's healthy. We've seen that. You know, like I say, we've seen that movie. So to to play how we did on defense today was huge, I think, because I always look at the big picture of the season, you know, not just the one game. Um, so that that's pretty cool because I know we're going to continue to get healthier with the receivers coming back. That was a great game by the defense. You know, that is a team that was playing as well as anybody in America coming in, you know, I think four wins in a row and, and beating Alabama. And, you know, we continue to stop them. We scored twice on defense, which is amazing, you know, with the safety and the touchdown. And it was it was really neat, you know, to, to not just stop them, but to score like that um, was really cool. Lane, when you picked yourself on game day this morning, did you think it would happen with the defense like this, or were you kind of envisioning more of the high-scoring games you've won in the past? I don't really do that anymore because it doesn't work. So sometimes I think they're going to be one way or not. I would not have thought we were going to have 400 yards at halftime. I mean, that's on pace for 800 yards in the game. So, And I certainly would have thought we'd only have whatever it was, 13, whatever, I can't remember, 13 points or something with 400 yards. So... Um, like I say, every game has its own deal and it's different every week, you know, whoever you're playing and you never know. It's hard to, it's hard to, to predict what's going to happen. So the defense stepped up. I did think that we had, you know, some, you know, good match and think about the, you know, arguably our, you know, best or second best defensive player goes out right at the beginning. So you're going, all right, second half, boy, they're moving and we just lost, you know, our, our, our guy that really there's been a very big difference when Springer's in there or not. We've, we've seen that. 
So guys stepped up. You know, what a awesome play by AJ. And so it was really neat. Until those last three or four drives, the defense wasn't really winning with sacks and turnovers like it has this year. So what was working? Was it just, I guess, what was working? You know, no explosive plays. I mean, it just felt like everything was in front of us. Um, you know, we felt good knowing they were going to play really slow. And that plays to our favor on defense. We don't have a lot of depth, as we know, and we overplay our players on defense because of that. So guys are, you know, have been in there playing 70, 80 snaps in a game. So, you know, it really helped us a lot by them going slow so our guys could rest. So you didn't have to see, like, Sam coming out a bunch and things like that. So, um, you know, I know it may sound strange. When they go, when we play a team like that, that helps us versus when we're playing Arkansas. And now both sides are, are going like that. We've so, seen you use Sistrunk a lot in coverage this year, but how have you seen him grow to the point where he could make those couple of big plays down near the end? That was huge. You know, uh, we were down some guys today. Um, so for him to, to step up like that and, you know, we're really having to play a backer instead of playing another DB, you know, like we normally do. So that was really big. You about- basically took Tysheen Johnson's spot, who was out, and you know, I had to move guys around. Uh, you mentioned just the importance of today with game day and you hope to pull it off. But for you, I mean, that uh, head coach usually doesn't have the schedule you have this morning going on the show twice just for you. How was handling all that just kind of out of your normal routine? What was all that like for you today? Well, I said, said it on there. Um, you know, I hadn't thought about it. Chip Kelly texted me before I was going. He's like, you know, you're the first dual threat coach. You know, there's no long time ago, there was never a dual threat quarterback that could run a pass. So he's like, you're the first one. You know, you, you're picking and it's the day that you're playing. So I actually asked him when I went up, has anyone ever done that? And they said, no, it hadn't. So I felt kind of cool. I was the first, first picker. And then I felt like some of my games were going good. Kind of didn't want the Mississippi State game to go like I picked, but. <laughs> but I did say what a great offensive coach Leach is, and it was high scoring, so. Maybe I got a career. Up until that 13-yard uh, touchdown from Snoop, he hadn't really had a, a huge game. But I know you always kind of talk about him making the most of his opportunities. Just how important is it to have a guy like Snoop that, you know, even if it's not going super well, he tends to you know have that moment? Uh, it, it was big. I mean, I'm sure everybody felt it. You know, it was like we just couldn't score. You know, we kept getting down there and – we had three drives, I think, in the first half. They got three combined points, which is, you know, obviously an issue. And then, you know, we went for it. We joked in the locker room, you know, Matt, <clears throat> you know, we come off and we go to, you know, punt – or sorry, to, to kick and we run the fake field goal and Mac has one carry for two yards. Well, we need two and a half. So, I wish we would have fallen forward. Or I told Case Kelly, push him, you know. So – um, it was just, it, it was just a really neat day, and that that play where Snoop broke right there, I think, was a big relief for all of us because we'd really been struggling there, and to get the, I think that, and then when they don't make the two point conversion, was obviously huge, kept it a two score game, and the game would have been over if our quarterback wouldn't slide, you know, but now we finally don't want him to slide for once, and end the game with the first down, and now he wants to slide. You bring up the fake field goal. Can you just talk us through the reasoning of, of that choice there instead of either kicking or going for it with the offense? It was just something, you know, we'd seen schematically that was there. They actually were in a little bit different look of rushing over there. 
um, or it would have looked a lot better and easier. You know, it wasn't supposed to be that difficult. So they gave us a different look than what we were anticipating. And, you know, still had a chance for whatever, you know, foot short. Are you at all concerned about the short yardage offense after these last couple of games? Yeah, I mean, whenever we're not, you know, making something and, you know, it's an issue. And I feel like, you know, when, when Ben Brown went out, we we have struggled at times inside. That was kind of our leader in there. And we've been shoved. That's three games in a row of starting a different guard, you know, trying to figure it out. Um, Coach, just in terms of Mac Brown and what he's been able to do in terms of raising money for ALS and what you guys put on tonight, just your thoughts on that. He's just a really neat kid. Um, awesome to be around. You know, came in hugging him as we walked in, you know, and joking about the, the fake. And it's just really special for our younger kids to see someone that, you know, takes advantage of his platform like that and utilizes it to help others. The older I get, the more I realize there's just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Three, one, three, one, two, three. Let's go. Brad's big thing. All right, Brad, that was Lane Kiffin, Ole Miss head coach after Ole Miss's 29-19 win over Texas A&M on Saturday. This is the Blue Delta Jeans morning after show. What's your one big thing from the win? Yeah, so I think if you look at look at what I said earlier in the week, and it was kind of said on game day, too, it made me feel, made me feel kind of good. I think Desmond Howard or one of the others said this. Um, the question was, how is Ole Miss's O-line going to handle their D-line? Check. They, they, they did they – did, remarkably well versus that D-line and didn't let them, you know, control or take over that game like like, like my fear could have been. And how was Ole Miss going to shut down the run? They did a great job. You know, aside from a few long runs there late in the game, they were pretty dominant, um, you know, in, in that sense. So, so they nailed those two things, and then they forced that quarterback to beat him, and I just didn't, didn't think he could. And, um, you know, I think overall you look at defensively, man, it was a, um, a heck of a performance, a fun performance to watch got turnovers, got after him. The defense played fast and physical, and that was the difference in the game. And, um, you know, it, that, that, that was, those were the two things. And I think that, um, you know, we nailed both of those. And, and that's why when you look up, we, we, we're, win- we're winners. Ole Miss needed that game for a number of reasons. Now, Ole Miss fully healthy. 
watching that game, having watched that game now, Ole Miss beats that team. Fully healthy. It's not even close. They dominated. It was only 15 to nothing at halftime. Completely dominated Texas A&M. So Ole Miss healthy, I don't think that's really even a competition, to be honest with you, on Saturday. I don't think it's much of a competition against Auburn. Ole Miss has been banged up. That's what's been holding Ole Miss back. You and I believe this after the Alabama loss, that Ole Miss could win out if healthy. They haven't been healthy. They're getting healthier. And Dontario Drummond, Braylon Sanders, Jonathan Mingo dressed. He didn't play, but he dressed. But Braylon Sanders and Dontario Drummond played a little bit. Braylon Sanders more than Dontario Drummond. Matt Crowell is still banged up. He can't really run yet. Maybe he's getting closer to 100%, but they need him to run. But they did what they needed to do, and they got it done because defensively they had what was one of their very best efforts since 2016. It was really, really impressive to see. And a lot of it had to do with, like you said, facing a quarterback that wasn't the running threat of other quarterbacks they faced. They didn't have to spy with Chance Campbell. They didn't have to spy with Mark Robinson. They got to play pretty much base defense and blitz as much as they wanted to on early downs in the first half and get after Zach Calzada, who finished 24 for 41 for 237 and two interceptions. Asante Seastrunk stepped up. When Jake Springer went out, he stepped up and played more snaps and got a big, crucial, game-turning interception. Texas A&M had all the momentum, it felt like, in the second half, and he makes that play. And A.J. Finley does it again. Interception return for a touchdown. One of the most underappreciated and kind of overlooked strong seasons of any Ole Miss Rebel is A.J. Finley. He's been incredibly good, incredibly solid all year, and he makes the game-winning, game-deciding, game-sealing play with the interception return for six. You have two plays to get the 10 yards. You think here comes pressure. Calzada steps up and delivers a throw. It's picked off. Picked off by Finley. A.J. Finley down the sidelines. Touchdown Ole Miss. Pick six should put this away. This is a defensive day, and for as much as we talked about D.J. Durkin and him being on the hot seat or there could be potentially a move made at the end of the year, there's so much you could have said about D.J. Durkin. What he did with this defense in a week's time and preparing them to face a good Texas A&M team that was still being talked about as a potential playoff team was really, really impressive. Yeah, I agree, man. I mean, it's just this overall, I mean, it's unbelievable seeing the, seeing the change of the defense as far as just – you know, really getting after them. Attitude. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm telling you, that's the thing, man. That, that the effort and the way we were flying around last night was was something I have not seen in a long time. And, and you look at you look at the three guys that are really the the the, the main guys. After you look at Chance Campbell, Springer, and Mark Robinson, along with Sam Sam Williams is doing Sam Williams things out there. I mean, he's he's crushing all these tackles, but. Those three guys, the way they fly around, man, Mark Robinson is is really a good football, like a really good football player. The attitude they play with, I mean, it, it was fun to watch. I, I honestly enjoy those kind of games. But those are when, when the defense is playing, there's nothing better than when a defense is shutting guys down, running around, being physical, celebrating it with, as, as, as a team. Um, you know, they got a few plays in there, but, man, we, we were really, really clutch when we had to be. And that first half was as dominant as I've – I've ever seen since maybe the, t- the 2008 Cotton Bowl, or not Cotton Bowl, but the Egg Bowl. Um, but man, we were we were literally shutting down everything they were doing. Ole Miss is now forced at least one turnover in 19 of the 20 games in the Kiffin era. It was the second straight game and third time overall this year that Ole Miss defensively 
has held its opponents scoreless in the first half. Ole Miss has forced two safeties in the same season for the first time since 2003 and almost limited Texas A&M to four of 13 on third down conversions. And that was key, getting off the field, because Ole Miss has had a problem with that all year. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I think that um, you know, if you if you just look at the the overall um, you know the improvement you know in that sense, I mean, it's just getting better and better every week. And um, you're right, man. They're getting off the field <laughs> better than I've ever seen. So um, yeah, that that's key. Got got definitely got to get off the field. Um, and they, they did that all night. So how does that change your outlook? Does that performance defensively, knowing offensively they're getting healthier, how does that change your outlook for the final two games, Vanderbilt and a Mississippi State team that's surging right now? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think we're going to crush Vandy. I mean, that's, that's, just, that's just obvious at this point. I think, but, you know, in Mississippi State, they play Tennessee State or something this week. So, I mean, all in all, we're headed for a 9-2 Ole Miss team and a 7-4 Mississippi State team, you know, with a big showdown the Star Bowl, and Mississippi State's gotten better as well, man. I mean, they, their their quarterback was was very impressive. Actually, I watched that whole game. Um, you know, Auburn really got after him early, and for whatever reason, some kind of adjustments were made, and, and State looked like I mean, like the greatest show on turf. I mean, it was unbelievable watching them play offense yesterday. So um, that game was going to be a um, you know how the egg bowls go, man. I mean, it's <laughs> It's going to be a, a classic old Miss Mississippi State game. They're going to be at home, which is going to suck for us. But yeah, I mean that's that's going to be a we got a fun fun little fun little deal to look forward to, especially with the with the Egg Bowl and the bowl game. So um, I feel feel good about it. But it's our defense our defense is going to have to play like they did um, you know this week. Ole Miss improved to eight and two. It's the best record through ten games since starting the season eight and two in two thousand and fourteen. Ole Miss improved to six and zero at home this season. Which I didn't even think about, but six and zero undefeated at home. Ole Miss is now sixty-seven, one sixty-eight, and two all-time versus ranked opponents. First win over Texas A&M since two thousand and sixteen. And I wanted to note something here: attendance for the game was a sellout of sixty-four thousand four twenty-five, the seventh largest crowd ever at Vaught Hemingway Stadium. And you could feel it, you could see it, you could sense it. That crowd was electric. And maybe it took college game day in a primetime atmosphere, but Lane Kiffin has been calling for that kind of atmosphere all year. Now, Jaheim Otis, since I cover recruiting now, was supposed to come in and be one of the 30-ish or so visitors for Ole Miss, Texas A&M, and he didn't show, and that's a bad sign. So that's a little bit of a note for everybody out there that's paying attention to recruiting. That's not good, but we're not going to focus and dwell on what went bad because there's very little bad that happened on Saturday. I want to focus on the good, and that's an Ole Miss win, but also a crowd, an attended game by Ole Miss fans that was really, really impressive. And it helped change and flip the script defensively and for an Ole Miss win. That crowd was awesome. And you could just sense it everywhere, on TV, in the stands itself, the pregame stuff. Congratulations to my buddy Will Allen, former Ole Miss baseball player. He got engaged on the field. Just everything about that game had the feel of a big-time program and a big-time atmosphere, what Lane Kiffin has been begging for, and Ole Miss fans delivered. They deserve a lot of credit for that game. Yeah, I mean, that felt like one of the old-school games, you know, as I was growing up, you know, part of, part of some, you know, some big environments. But, um, yeah, I mean, absolutely an unbelievable job all around. Just, just a great win for the program yesterday. Um, you know, you got – It felt different. It felt day. different. I agree. I agree. You had a bunch of former players back. I mean, it just the, the way that the production they put on in the during the stadium. I mean, it was it had a good feel to it all all game. And then on top of that, you know, our defense is out there you know, dominating and, and just getting the crowd hyped up. Um, offense actually had actually had a really solid day too. You know, just, it just didn't really punch it in when they needed to. You know, all in all, that was a pretty dominant performance by Ole Miss. Dominant performance. 
and Ole Miss is 8-2. I'll be honest with you. Full disclosure here. I thought with Ole Miss's injuries and how everything was going that Ole Miss was barreling towards a 1-2 and two finish. It just felt that way. And let's be honest here, offensively, they played in a way that looked like a team headed toward a 1-2 and two finish, especially in the second half. They were so dominant in the first half, but everything that could go wrong went wrong pretty much in the second half. Texas A&M dominated. That defense is the best defense Ole Miss has played since Alabama. Easily on the same level, in my opinion, as Alabama is that Texas A&M defense. And Ole Miss offensively put on a show in the first half with so many missed opportunities in the red zone. What was up with the red zone offense? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a matter of a couple things. You know, the, well, the, the one time we just didn't punch it in there, man. I mean, we ran it, um, you know, three or four times, and we did the little little play out to Kelly, and we just didn't get it. I mean, we we just lost that. <laughs> we just lost that goal line standing. That's as simple as that. But you know, there was there's some mistakes. I think the fumble. You know, and look, let me tell you something. Jacor Pearson, he had a great day as great a receiver, day. but he made two pl- he made two plays in that game that were game changing. That first down catch and him recovering that fumble down there. If he doesn't recover that fumble, we don't get those three points. At at one point, we're losing. We're actually down a point in the fourth quarter. So, um, you know, that kick plays like that are huge. But yeah, I just think that, you know, for whatever reason, man, they're and give credit to Jimbo Fisher and they're 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 a defensive team. I mean, that's that's what their mo is. That's that's what they do. Um, so, I mean, I, I just think that we didn't, um, you know, they were just out scheming us. They were they were you know they were pretty dominant dominant down there in the red zone and. Um, you know, it was just a tough day. You know, we, we couldn't get it in there trying to run the ball. And you know, I was sitting next to somebody. And I was like, man, these are the toughest situations when you're facing a D-line like this with these kind of linebackers and and they know it's a run. You know you're going to have to run it to get it in there. Some of the hits you take on that goal line are pre- pretty vicious. But, um, yeah, I mean, we just, we just got to do a better job. And really, quite honestly, the last couple weeks, you know, last three or four weeks, the red zone offense has kind of struggled to get it in i don't know what the deal is but um you know i, I think i think moving forward that's one thing that, that we could try to emphasize and, and try to get better at here in the next couple of weeks when the field shortens that's when it's pretty obvious that Ole miss is being hamstrung by not having the ability to use matt corral's legs that's where it's yep. the most obvious and i didn't even mind it trying to run the ball with snoop connor three times i didn't mind it at all i would have done the same thing or maybe the one thing I would uh, criticize or adjust is that I don't understand when you're at the inch line, not at least trying. I know Matt Crow's banged up, but trying to get under center and do a quarterback sneak. Quarterback sneaks, in my opinion, and this is not just with Ole Miss. This is football in college. This is football in the NFL. Quarterback sneaks are the most underutilized play, the most underutilized play in all of football. You just don't see it enough. But I was fine with it. Hand the ball off to Snoop Connor. We've been calling for that. Let the big pounder go do his thing. I did take issue with on the fourth down play, throwing it short of the goal line to Casey Kelly and not allowing your Heisman candidate quarterback to throw it into the end zone. That's when I really had a problem. And also on fourth down, knowing you were going for it on fourth and three, and rather than putting the ball in Matt Corral's hands, putting the ball in the hands of Mac Brown on a fake, on a design run from a fake field goal perspective, and not coming close. Now, Mac Brown, had he fallen forward, he probably gets it, but he's yeah. a punter. He's a punter. So there are issues to take, but at least Ole Miss tried to do the things that it does well down there. It's more, in my opinion, a case of they need Mac Crow to be able to at least threaten to run because when he can't, when the field shrinks, that's when it gets more difficult. Yeah, I think the same can be said for our overall offense. 
offense. Um, Matt Corral's legs are a huge part of this. Huge. Um, it, it really opens up a, a lot of a lot of stuff. And you know, I think that they just know the last couple weeks he can't really run, so they haven't been you know spying him or watching him like like, like they typically would. But and yeah, they were selling that, out for those read options. They were selling out to the running back. They weren't even trying yep. to contain Matt Corral. They didn't expect him to ever keep it. Yep, I agree, and I think that's that, that's something that's kind of kind of hamstrung our offense. You know, I just think injuries all all together, plus his legs have kind of kind of you know, made it where it's looked a little tougher for us. Almost has to get Matt Crow as healthy as possible if it hopes to beat Mississippi State and then win in the bowl game. Be it the Sugar Bowl, the Peach Bowl, everything is in front of Ole Miss now because it beat Texas A and M. Proved me wrong. Proved Bradley Sal wrong. We just didn't see Ole Miss winning this game the way Texas A&M was playing. And almost defensively started to look like the defenses of old from the previous handful of seasons more than the 2016 defense or the first half against Louisville defense. But this defense, this was probably the best defensive effort Ole Miss has had all year. Ole Miss ran four plays from the one-yard line. Couldn't get in. Second possession tie. They got another one and got the touchdown. Now trying to avoid the safety. is better. And he couldn't get out. Three hundred and seventy-eight total yards for Texas A&M to five hundred four for Ole Miss. Two hundred thirty-seven passing yards for Texas A&M. Two forty-seven for Ole Miss. One hundred forty-one rushing yards for Texas A&M. Two fifty-seven for Ole Miss. Three turnovers. Ole Miss won the turnover battle. Plus one in turnovers. Ten tackles for loss for Texas A&M. Oh boy. Whew. Yeah. Three for Ole Miss, and Ole Miss was led in tackles by Dean Leonard, who was banged up and didn't play against Liberty. He played against Texas A&M, and he made a difference, and he's going to get a helmet sticker, which is what we're going to give out now. We're going three. One, two, three. Let's go. Helmet stickers. Every single week, win or lose, we give out helmet stickers. Three for me, three for Brad. Your first helmet sticker goes to who? I'm going to have to give it to Darion Ely, man. I mean, I think that um, that he was offensive MVP of the game. Um, I think the way he ran, you know, it not, not only what, what, what did it help the team in, in getting first down and stuff, but but that the whole attitude, the energy, you know, people were feeding off the way he was running that ball. And, and I'll tell that plus the, the way our defensive guys were playing. So he was a spark plug. And, um, you know, I know I've been critical of him at, at times, but, um, you know, the talent's there. You know, which I just want to see more of it. I think I think that's the kind of player he can be week in and week out. And um, I think this was a matter of him getting getting the amount of carries that um, that, that he needed to get in a rhythm. And man, he just looked like a different player. He was he was running with with purpose, is what I like to call it. And um, he he just he's had a, had an awesome day and was was essentially the the reason our offense you know did what it did yesterday. You have been hard on him. You haven't made no secret about it, that you just didn't see it as far as next level or it hasn't come out yet on a consistent basis for you with Jerry on Ely. What was he doing differently? I just think I just think he was hitting it. I mean, he was he was running hard. And that's um, that's always my difference between him and Snoop. I think Snoop gets it a little harder um, at times. But but Ely was that guy yesterday. But but what Ely has that most other guys don't have is that next level speed and and quickness and, and can get really good after it. But when he's actually had the factor in of running hard, running physical, breaking glass is what I like to call it. You know, you got you, there's a little scene there. He's busting through. You know, there is nothing more than a shoulder length apart to get to these holes. And the way he was hitting, he was squirting right out of him, you know, breaking glass. And, and um, you know, he just, I mean, all, all together, it just looked really good for him yesterday. My first helmet sticker goes to Dean Leonard. He led Ole Miss in tackles with nine, five solos, three pass breakups, career best nine total tackles. 
really made a difference in the back end for Ole Miss was making plays on the ball. And Ole Miss has been needing that. They've been missing him. He's one of those guys that you don't think about very often until he's gone. And he showed you last night why Ole Miss needs him at cornerback. Because he is a skilled player at attacking the ball, instinctual, and he's physical in the run game. Doesn't look it, not big guy, but he's one that can step up and make plays in the run game as well. And he was really, really good against Texas A&M. A difference maker. Yeah, I mean, we're going to need him. We're going to need his health, you know, going forward. You know what we have coming up in two weeks. He's going to be passes every down. So, um, yeah, I mean, he looked really good. Um, you know, he's, he's a big key part of this defense. He's just one of the, another one of those guys who, um, you know, was 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 kind of the, the one of the new pieces of the defense in my mind. So, um, you know, it's just, just another guy that's out there making a difference and, and the reason why our defense um, is much better this year. So many people in my mentions on Twitter at Spirit Ben saying the whole defense deserves a helmet sticker, and I agree, but that's not how we operate. We give them out to individual players. So my next helmet sticker goes to Asante Seastrunk. He only had two tackles, but, man, he felt like he was everywhere, especially in the second half, especially when he got on the field more after Jake Springer got ejected for targeting. He looked like he was around the ball constantly, and it finally paid off with the game-turning interception. Texas A&M had all the momentum, and he made a play on the ball, his first career interception. Ashanti Seastrunk, he stepped up when almost needed somebody to step up and made a play that won the day. The importance of that play cannot go understated, man. I mean, when our offense was struggling, sputtering, we needed a spark, and that's how you win big games. There has to be a, somebody has to step up and make a play. You know, if he doesn't make that play, you never know. A&M goes down the scores, and we're talking about something totally different, but you know, Johnny on the spot right there, big interception, you know, and then, then you know, Snoop Connor's able to punch it in. Um, and it was, I mean, just, just an awesome, awesome change of, um, you know, change of height right there during the game. Your second helmet sticker goes to who? I'm going to give one to Eli Acker, man. I think that um, I knew I it. Ole Miss, I think Ole Miss may have found one of their future O-linemen. I'm going to look at it really close, but um, for a guy who hasn't, I don't know if he's ever started a game, um, you know, to be in there versus the guy he was going against. There was times where, where he got beat or two, but man, there was some stuff he was doing in the run game that, that looked really good. Um, he, he stays square. He, he was driving his feet, uh, made a huge block on that touchdown run. And that's really good to see for a guy, you know, the guy that's been here for a couple of years. Um, I, I think that Ole Miss may have found one of their future alignment. I'm going to watch it a little closer, but um, for him to step up versus, you know, essentially an, an NFL D line, and, um, and and not be the weakness and, and kind of step up for his team at a position where they needed it. Uh, um, I, th- I think he did a, did a really good job then. First career start for Eli Acker. What was the block on the Snoop Connor game ceiling touchdown? Yeah, so it was it was the backside of it. You know, we were a zone team, backside inside zone, and he and he has a combination with the um, with the center, and you know they're on their combination. The guy flows over the top. You know, he comes off, seals the guy, you know, and Snoop Connor um, runs right by him. So good for that kid, man. I know his family's probably probably really proud. He's a Mississippi kid. Um, but but to, but to see your son out there, you know, sealing, sealing the game, essentially the game winning block um, is, is pretty darn good, especially for a kid that's um, that hasn't played played much this year. A hundred percent. Ole Miss fans have been asking, where is Eli Acker? 
He was the one that repped with the ones through Wednesday. Jalen Cunningham got most of the reps with the ones on Thursday. They went with Acker, and it paid off. Sometimes it just takes getting into a game. And he got into a game, and he stepped up. You see it all the time. You were just waiting to see who's going to be that guy. They tried Jalen Cunningham, and he was pretty good, all things considered. He was playing defense in August. He was playing defense in September, playing defense in October. So Jalen Cunningham, for everything he's gone through this year, stepped up and did the thing against Liberty the best he possibly could and was pretty solid. But Eli Acker looked different. Linemen have a, a tougher job at defense, getting the pain in their ears and getting up field. Boom! Touchdown! Take that! Snoop Connor just bolts straight up the middle. That's all the red zone rolls. And the Rebels cash in the pit and stretch the lead with six and a half to play. He really looks the part, man. He reminds me of Reed Neely. He got that kind of oh, I like that big, big square body. Can stay real square, not a leaner. Um, you know, really look good at times. I mean, I thought it was really cool. I watched the O line close, man. That's like my thing. I watch O line D line play because that's where football is, is, is really won and lost. So, man, whenever whenever he came running off the field, I don't know if it was O line coach or somebody, but man, they were all congratulating him, and I know that feeling. The fans don't see that, but I know for him that that's kind of like a game winning play for a lineman, man. That that kind of block to be able to come off, catch a guy over the top, um, you know, the running back run. You can feel that running back run right by your hip. I mean, that's an awesome feeling. I'm, I'm proud of the kid. I, I know that feeling very, very well. And um, it had to be very rewarding for someone who's been here working hard, um, you know, trying to really get in the rotation. And um, I think that bodes well for us in the future. I think we got us got us an alive that's going to be in there for a while. Your last helmet sticker goes to who? Man, I, I'm going to say Jacor Pearson. Um, he made some big catches in this game, and he had that one tough game versus Tennessee. He got a lot of, lot of flack for it, but he's came back since then and, and it's looked really good at a position where we really need it. Um, he made two crucial plays in this game that cannot not go go and see. That that catch to, to get us that first down where we weren't three and out and that fumble recovery, those are, those are game-changing type of plays. Made a few other big catches. He's turning out to be a solid player for us, man. I mean, he's he's aside from the one game this year, he's he's turned out to be a solid solid wide receiver option for us. My last helmet sticker goes to AJ Finley. Recorded his first career touchdown with a 52-yard interception return for a touchdown in the fourth quarter. It's the first interception return for a touchdown defensively since 2018. Vernon Dasher against Southern Illinois, but it was more than that. Finished second on the team behind Dean Leonard with eight total tackles, one solo. Just really good on the back end. Doesn't get enough credit for how good he's been this year. Yeah, man. Awesome play. You know, you, that, that was one of those games where you felt like you needed, needed a defensive touchdown. And um, he's been a great player for us all year. He really has. He's, he's low-key having an all-SEC type of season, I think. I agree. Um, he's a long, long guy, rangy-looking guy who can run. Um, and I knew it, man. They, they can't run that same damn pass concept all game. And I'm like, all right, at some point, somebody is going to get sick. I, I, know, I know why they play off. They're worried about the double move because they could have. A&M was probably setting us up for a for an Omaha go or a, or an out go, whatever. You don't, don't want to lose on that. But I'm like, at some point, they are going to jump this play. And, and sure enough, the same same little little route. And um, he was there. He was Johnny on the spot. So it was um, it was awesome to see, man. I mean, that when he caught that ball and scored that touchdown, that that felt like that 0-3 LSU interception. You know, the crowd was going crazy. We just won a big game. Um, I mean, it was it was a cool feeling, man. Let's go around the circle. Around the circle. That's the trouble around here. Talk, talk, talk. Going around the circle to look at scores in the SEC, Alabama beats up on New Mexico State in the fighting Eli Johnson. Shout out to my buddy David Johnson. 59-3, to 
Mississippi State comes back from 28 to 3 to beat Auburn at Auburn 43 to 34, one of the worst home losses in SEC play in Auburn history. Florida almost loses to Samford, but holds on for a 70 to 52 win. Georgia whips Tennessee 41 to 17. Missouri beats South Carolina 31 to 28. Ole Miss beats Texas A&M 29 to 19. Kentucky beats Vanderbilt 34 to 17. What's happened to Kentucky? And Arkansas hangs on against LSU 16 to 13. Your biggest takeaway from the week that was in the SEC. So listen, why is it that Ole Miss always faces teams when they're when they're when they're changing, you know, when they're, when they're getting better? You look at us this year, man. We we face, you know, we face Auburn when they're playing their best ball. LSU came off a win versus Florida, a big win, so we're getting their best shot. Now, now suddenly Mississippi State has kind of kind of rode the ship. They're 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 suddenly this this team that's getting better and better. So, um, Ole Miss is luck, man. We're, we always face everybody in there when, when they're getting hotter. But yeah, I just think that um, that you know in the SEC it's kind of kind of Georgia, Alabama. Obviously, I think Georgia is by far the class now, um, especially for this year. And then um, you know after that, man, I mean, Ole Miss has, has got a good good you know a good. Um, whatever for, for being number three you know i mean they, they got they have a good good state or good case to be number three so um you know we we know it's we know it's down the pipe for us um you know both both Ole Miss and state are going to win their games this week but you're headed for an epic egg, egg bowl is what you're headed for and and we all can see it florida almost losing to sanford wesley mcgriff took over play calling duties defensively and it was the typical wesley mcgriff defense they're used to seeing same as it ever was <laughs> I did not realize. I did not realize that. I yeah. did not realize that. But that's 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 funny. Oh, it was so bad. And if Florida well, comes they, open, they, well, well, they had a great celebration. I saw that video. They were they were they were celebrating the locker room pretty hard. And um, well, you, know, you always got to celebrate wins. You got to celebrate, celebrate a win. You do. But man, that one deep down inside had to burn a little bit. Sanford lost to VMI last week. Oh man, yeah. That's there's a lot there's a lot deeper things going on with that program than. Um, than, than you know, just just typical X and O's. There's some there's some serious um, locker room issues or something. I fully believe that Lane Kiffin is going to be back next year at Ole Miss. If Florida comes open, that one's one to watch. Same with Miami. Any Florida school, we both believe that Lane Kiffin's coming back. You believe Jeff Levy's coming back? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I expect him to to potentially be back, but you just never know nowadays, man. I mean, with Ole Miss doing what they've done two years off of a. Um, you know, off of a season where, you know, we were essentially dead to rights, you know, our program was, was kind of in a bad place. And now we're, now we're talking about potentially being 10 and two going, you, you, that's, that's, that's a big turnaround. So obviously your assistants are going to get, um, get a, get a heavier look, but I think he's one that's, um, you know, certainly up for a, for, for, for a, um, for a head coaching gig. And I like to see him back. I think Ole Miss is going to step up and pay him, pay him good. Um, but you know, sometimes in life you get you get leverage. You only get leverage so many times, and he's going to have a, just certainly have a shot to, to go somewhere. Do you think Jeff Lebby leaves Ole Miss for another offensive coordinator job? No, I, I don't think he would leave for an offensive coordinator job. I think he's he's going to be paid very well here. He's already paid very well for an offensive coordinator. One point two million. It's about to get better than that. It will. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know why he would why he want to leave for to be another OC unless he really knew the guy and. Um, I don't know, but I just think his situation here is too good. Um, you know, he has the, he has the. If Lane were to go somewhere, I think he's the first choice for head coach. So uh, there's not many other situations where he's going to be like that. There are a lot of job openings 
with not obvious candidates around college football. So that's where it becomes interesting as far as Lane Kiffin, Jeff Lebby, you name it. But you're right about Jeff Lebby and the money he makes. $1.2 million. And Keith Carter was on this podcast, Talk of Champions, which you can rate and review with five stars. Doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. By just going to the iTunes store and saying, hey, Talk of Champions, Ben, you suck, but I like your podcast. Five stars. Don't care what you say, as long as it's five stars. And this podcast can be found wherever you get your podcast. Just simply search Talk of Champions. But Jeff Lebby is going to get bumped because Keith Carter said as much. He said as much last week on this podcast. Can you pay for Lane Kiffin to keep him? Yes. The simple answer is yes. Ole Miss can pay whatever is necessary to keep him. It goes like that for the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator and the assistants and those guys too. Randall Joyner is another guy that you got to hold on to. Mm. You got to put a contract in front of him because he is invaluable. It's not just Jeff Levy. It's some of these assistants too that are going to get bumps. But Ole Miss is saying it can pay, and that's important. Yeah, I, I would I would say joiners under the radar having a having a crazy unreal uh, crazy I mean uh, unbelievable how how big time this guy's been for us especially in recruiting but who do we talk but, about um, every single week Sam Williams yeah yeah you look at look at what what's good for us and and um, he's just been he's been outstanding for Ole Miss I think Ole Miss ends up playing in the Sugar Bowl or the Peach Bowl wherever it goes there's going to be attention on your head coach and on your assistants. But Ole Miss, I feel better about it today than I have probably all year because of what Keith Carter said and calling around. And it doesn't seem like Lane Kiffin's going to be going to LSU, that he's going to be a big candidate there. Doesn't seem like he's going to be a candidate at USC. Maybe Florida if it opens up. Definitely Miami if, it, if Miami opens up. But if Ole Miss is willing to go well north of $7 million a year to pay for him, what are you worried about? If Ole Miss can put his best foot forward and pay over $7 million for a head coach and he still leaves – well, you've done everything you can do. So as an Ole Miss fan, what is there for you to worry about anymore? What is there to worry yeah. about? Because your school has proven to you, your leadership has proven to you, and is saying to you that we're going to do everything we have to do. One way or the other, we're committed to football. Facilities, coaches' salaries, everything. They're willing to do anything and everything to make this football program never go back to the old days of having to suffer through maybe a rebuild of some kind, losing for three years. They're not going to do that. They're committed to keeping this, one way or the other, keeping this program in a place where it's consistently competitive. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, we have the right people in leadership that are, yes. um, you know, that's, that's their job to, to to do what's best for the program. I think they, they certainly will. So, um, yeah, I feel like we're in good hands there. Um, it's just going to be a matter of, I just want to get to the point where if Lane leaves, it has nothing to do with money has nothing to do with paying the system. It has that's to do right. with his own personal decision. And that's all Ole Miss can offer. And that's and I think you know, that that's where they is. are. I would agree. I would agree with that. Ole Miss is second in the SEC West. Eight and two, four and two. Beats Texas A&M 29-19. Let's answer your questions. Well done. Oh, the mail's here. You've got mail. Special mail for you. This is a letter to Hollywood saying, keep it up. Movies are great. Opening up the mailbag to answer your questions. This is Talk of Champions, the Blue Delta Jeans morning after show edition of Talk of Champions. We'll start with Jenny Moyer at Jenny underscore Moyer on Twitter. Was Levy kidnapped after the first half? Were they under some kind of contract to run Jerry on whom I adore, but still straight up the middle in completely baffling ways? No, man, I think that, um, like I said earlier, I, I think that um, the plan was probably um, 
a little more conservative than they like, just because I think that they're, they were having the same fear that everybody else was, you know, that D line versus O line. Um, you know, I thought, I thought they were maybe trying to do a little bit quicker game, you know, quicker throws, you know, a lot more runs, um, you know, in that sense. And it just, um, you know, you're right. It did, it did look a lot more conservative, but at the end of the day, they were, they were trying not to have any disasters happen with, um, you know, sack fumble, stuff like that, or, or getting Matt Corral, you know, banged up. So yeah, I, I definitely look conservative, but they, but they got accomplished what they, what they, what they need to get accomplished. And that's a win. And, and they were able to run the ball for over 200 something yards versus a, versus a very good front. So, um, certainly could have been a little more aggressive, but you know, you gotta remember A&M has a very good defensive scheme, a very good defensive coach. And, um, you know, that was, that was, that was a good, good battle between those two. Brian Patrick Murphy at B underscore P underscore Murphy. Did Ely run hard enough for Brad tonight? Uh, I, knew, I knew people were waiting, waiting to get after me on that. Um, yeah, no, he, yeah. I want to see that every week. He's that type, he's that type of talent. Um, you know, can't be some timey, but, um, yeah, he is, um, he, he was, like I said, I gave him a game, but I'll give credit where credit's due. I'll call it like I see it, man. And, um, he's had that kind of talent to do it the whole time. And let's, let's hope he, he can keep that going forward. Cause we're going to need it down to start. Ryan Arneson at Ryan Arneson 15, the effect of Texas A&M not playing many road games in hostile environments this year. They have played many neutral site and home games this year, multiple pre-snap offensive penalties that are not typical of an Aggie offense. Yeah. I mean, anytime you're, anytime you're on the, on the road, um, it's tough. And especially the environment that, that we had last night. I mean, it was actually, it actually helped us, you know, for the first time all year, our home crowd actually helped us in, in a lot of situations, you know, some false starts, um, you know, they, they were holding, holding quite a bit. And you know what, honestly, they were holding us a lot more than what was called as well. There were some nasty holds out there late in the game on some of those runs that, that certainly should have been called. So yeah, that, that, that def- definitely plays a factor in it. Um, you know, you gotta think that team in their environment beat Alabama and for the life of me after watching them, I don't know how the hell that team beat Alabama, but they did, <laughs> you know, and a lot of it has to do with the environment they're in plus that D line getting off the ball and, and, and getting after Alabama. So yeah, I mean, environment plays a huge role, and, and people, Ole Miss fans, you know, need to realize that. People need to realize that it is very hard as the road team, and when you have a rowdy environment, it makes it, you know, twice as hard. Cole Varell, my buddy Cole, at Coleosis11. I know Drummond and Sanders aren't 100%, but I don't even remember a target for either in the second half. I know Braylon got a target or two, but they're banged up. That's what it comes down to. They're banged up. I can remember one, you know, Drummond dropped one, dropped a slant late in the game um, at a crucial moment. And, um, you know, Braylon Sanders had a couple targets that, that Matt Crowder simply overthrew. And uh, Matt Crowder, he's – this is the first, last couple of weeks is the first time I've seen him miss a couple of throws. I think it has to do with his ankle and, um, you know, being able to push off with, with good confidence. But, yeah, there's a couple of misses in there that were targets to them. But they'll get it back, man. I mean, what's going to be huge is, is getting out there this week. Um, hopefully, Mingo will be a little bit healthier. Hopefully, Crowell will be a little healthier. And then – um, I fully expect them to be much better for the bowl for the um, egg bowl, but you know the bowl game in general. Ole Miss should be full full go, have all their guys back, um, be a pretty healthy team aside from maybe maybe the right guard. Kevin at KAC thirty three one seven five nine are Kiffin and Levy calling more conservative plays because of injuries. Seems like we had very little downfield throws and jet sweeps. RPO seems limited. Yeah, I think I think once you go back to what we said, um, you know. Matt Corral's legs not being a part of the offense right now has made other things really tough. You know, the, the guys aren't, aren't having to spy us. It's just like what we did at A&M. You know, we didn't have to spy the quarterbacks. So we were filling the run gaps. You know, Mark Robinson, instead of standing there in the middle, Chance Campbell, they were coming downhill, blowing those guards up, you know, knifing through gaps and, and, and able to add that, that extra body. And, and it's the same with us. People aren't 
really thinking Matt Crow can run, and it's 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 made our offense, you know, a, a little bit limited right now. They're banged up. That's what it comes back to. They're banged up. Jason Rimbert at Broadcast Truth. Do you believe if the Rebel defense can sustain this type of play, do you see Ole Miss finishing ten and two with the Sugar Bowl berth? I see us finishing ten and two. I really do, um, and this is why because Mississippi State is going to be very similar to what A and M just was. Um, now, now their their state has gotten much better, but they can do, run this same this similar scheme, same kind of scheme versus Mississippi State with the way this their quarterback isn't super mobile, um, which which will help us. And um, you know, I, I just feel like that that that's an actual decent matchup for us. So, um, I think personally we're going to go ten and two, but you know, a lot of crazy things can happen in the Egg Bowl, and it always has. Always, and I always default. Usually, go with the home team. Go with the home team. But going to the Sugar Bowl, it's going to be one of Georgia or Alabama. Probably Alabama, if Alabama loses to Georgia. I'm not a big believer in Stetson Bennett. Doesn't really do anything to impress me. So for Ole Miss, I think the Peach Bowl makes a lot of sense or any other next-level bowl like the Citrus Bowl as well. Those make sense for Ole Miss if Ole Miss finishes out 10-2. and And if defensively they play like they did against Texas A&M, they have a really good shot of doing so because Ole Miss is better than Mississippi State. But Mississippi State is surging at the right time. Always dangerous is the egg ball between Ole Miss and Mississippi State, regardless of the records, and Mississippi State is at home. There's going to be something weird that happens in the egg ball. World Series champion Nate at Nate underscore Bloomberg. World Series champion here. Congratulations, my friend. Go Braves. What bowl game do you think we will go to if we went out? P.S. Congrats, World Series champion. Ben, thank you. I did so much to help the Braves win. Just... My contributions cannot be understated, but I think Ole Miss goes to the Peach Bowl. That's why I had Peach Bowl CEO Gary Stokin on the podcast for tomorrow or Tuesday by interviewing him on Friday. Took the gamble, and it paid off. It hit. He's coming up tomorrow or Tuesday. Skinny Legs Odom at KCon underscore 10. Why do we insist on running the ball out of shotgun when there's only a yard to go, and even worse, when we do it three times in a row? Because that's your offense. Like you don't run the ball under center. So how would you get under center to run the ball? You know what I mean? Like like you're not just going to randomly switch your offensive scheme to 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 get under center. That's just what we are. Like we're we're a spread offense, and that's what you do. So um, getting under center would um, you know just it wouldn't. <laughs> that's just not what we practice or what we do. And you know it would be almost too obvious at that point. How about get some push for a yard and score? Maybe that. Yeah, I yep. do agree. That get under helps. center and quarterback sneak. But that is not their offense. So get well, the push for think, a yard. I agree. And, and I think that, that, that what, what we could benefit from is maybe mix up the scheme a little bit. You know, we're running a lot of inside zone. Um, it's kind of like the, the obvious run. But, you know, how about a counter? How about a, how about something outside? You know, the outside zone versus LSU was a great switch up. Um, but, you know, it's like we're running the same inside zone play. But I think there's there's different schemes, whether it be a power you know, maybe maybe a quarterback run or so. You know, I mean, there, there's there's different schemes in there that, that that could help. But the inside zone, down on the goal, I like that. It can be tough, especially when they're knifing and, and taking that backside cut away. Jake Parsons at J Parsons seventeen O M. When did defensive players clapping get added as a delay of game penalty to the never ending rule book of football? I have no idea, but that was weird. Yeah, that was the oddest it's the oddest call ever. I mean, no, that I've never seen anything like that before. We don't have an answer for that. I wish we did, because I did not know what they were calling. Andy Timmons at A.H. Timmons. Safe to assume Tisdale doesn't play another snap as an Ole Miss Rebel. I think it's safe to assume that, yes. 
Has Lakia Henry regressed, or are others just that much better? Who's he going to take the field over? Chance Campbell? Asante Shestronk? I don't know. Lakia is just behind other guys. He hasn't done anything really particularly impactful this year. Yeah, just there's not. Pop um, out. Yeah, yeah. You, you you do you would not take a Chance Campbell or Mark Robinson off the field. The fact that Mark Robinson was rotating early on is crazy because. He is he is he flies around, man. I mean, he is he flies around. He, he cuts those gaps. He makes a lot of tackles. Mm-hmm. Those guys those guys are our two linebackers, and they are as good as Ole Miss has had a line, aside from P. Willie, as good a combo as they've had in a long time. Mark Robinson reminds me a lot of Rory Johnson. One hundred percent, man. And, and he physical physical is all get out and just fast. Having guys that can close the gap and, and chase down quarterbacks, chase down guys. Is huge and nothing against um, Momo Snuggo and Lucky Henry. They just don't have that. They don't. That same kind of burst. Andy Timmons, more from him. Safe to assume the drops were account the cold weather. Same with the fumbleitis. Um, no, I, I would just think that. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't think that'd be. It wasn't that cold. I mean, it was it was cold out there, but it wasn't. You know, when you're out there playing in that kind of weather, it actually doesn't feel cold at all. Um, you know, unless you get get down down north towards zero. But anything in the 30s ain't that bad. You know, I just think it um, – Lack it's of just, practicing just, game reps and being injured. Agree, agree. And and that's that, that's the thing, man. I mean, you go out there, you're probably not getting as many reps. And, you know, the, you got to see that ball coming, you know, multiple times in practice, um, which I'm sure these guys have. But, you know, you, you're probably going to be more inept to drop one or two um, if you're not out there every single every single rep. And the fumbles for Matt Crow, same thing. Matt Crow, the yeah, runner, it, is rusty. He knows better. He knows better to, um, you know, he, he got a little sloppy there. Um, you know, times he hasn't done that all year. Um, but you know, at some point you gotta just tuck it, man, tuck it and take the sack. Um, you know, put, put two hands on it. You're, 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 you're hit. Just, just go down, you know, last one from Andy. Would Brad have tried to remain a tight end under a Kiffin offense? Oh man. A tight end would, would be a lot of fun in this offense. Um, and I think that's one thing this year, you know, we're, kind of missing that you know case kelly's done a great job of coming in and giving us something there but that's another thing if you look at this offense that that that's been the i wouldn't say an issue but but big difference in lane kiffin offense is man they've missed it bad they've missed it really bad and um i think you know the hudson wolf kids will be pretty darn good i think having having they're gonna they're gonna have to bring in somebody there as well to give them something to tight end um you know a little more athletic a little, little bit more vertical Although Casey Kelly has done a great job of getting getting his catches, but Casey Kelly's one of those guys who's a a good complement piece. He's not going to be the 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 tight end that's going to go catch seven eight hundred yards, which is which is what we're missing. Matt Howell at Coach Howell fifteen third game in a row the offense has disappeared in the second half. What's the biggest reason for that? Lack of adjustments. Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, you know, I, I would have to be in there closer to it to know, but it's just um it, it just looks like the call in this is just much different, man. I mean the whole score from afar thing is what I kept saying in my head last night. I'm like, Well, if that's our motto, let's let's do it, you know. And I, I just think in the second half we've been very conservative and on some of these third um I mean you look we got down to the red zone and it's like second second and ten and we run it twice and get stuffed. It's just I mean, I know I know we want to establish a run, but yeah, if it's third and nine, you know, he's probably probably should throw the ball, you know, unless you're doing some kind of draw or some kind of screen. But, um, but yeah, there's just there's there have been some been some pretty conservative play calls. Forrest Crumby at Forrest Crumby, was this a Heisman moment game for Matt Corral? Um, I don't I don't think so, man. I, I think he had a he had a good game. You know, he was he did definitely. I don't think it was was next level. You know, I think more so if you look at it on offense, the best player out there was Ely last night. Um. 
you know, but, but yeah, he, you know, I think if he hits on that one throw to, to Pearson and hits on a couple of those other ones, um, I just, I don't, I don't think that the stats or the, um, you know, or, or the plays there were, were a Heisman type moment. Sneaky play of the game, Jacor Pearson's 14 yard first down catch. Oh, yeah. Great pass, by the way, from huge. Matt Corral. Put it where, exactly where he had to put it. The only place he could put it. But what a catch. Yeah, there, there was another throw in the game where, and, um, you know, sitting next to the, the guy I was sitting next to, I was like, man, that was an NFL throw. And he hit that when he, I think it was Casey Kelly or Sanders. I think it was Casey Kelly. He he threaded the needle on, on a pass right to him. It was down kind of close to, to the um, to the goal line, but he hit one over the middle right there. That was, um, man, I mean, dude, it was, it was phenomenal. Dustin Bryant, my buddy Dustin at Dustin Bryant seven eight nine. So does Ely make it to baseball season? No, no, no. Kent rushing at T four PGU looked like most of the game. Ole Miss was afraid to throw the ball downfield. Was it because of the offensive line or not trusting the wide receivers? Yeah, I don't know. I think it. I think they were a little bit worried about the um, the A and M D line getting after getting after Corral, and maybe that had something to do with it, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would like to see this go downfield a little more, but you know, a lot of times there, there was, there was some good pressure there. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with our run fakes. And I, I think we, at we, we hardly ever just drop back, especially when it's third long, whatever. I just don't like having the run fake in there. It makes the play longer developing. And, um, you know, I wish we would just at times drop back and give them time to actually scan the field. Not pole assassins monkey at a true rebel underscore 99. What will Texas's record be in the first year in the sec? Four and eight? Yeah, it ain't gonna be pretty. Um, they're not gonna be playing Kansas most weeks, and um, it, it's <laughs> that's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, they have man, spiraled they so quickly. I know. I know. It's it's really incredible. Jay Harrison at Jay Harris Rebel Eleven. Will Matt Crow get to one hundred percent before the Egg Bowl? I don't think he's gonna be one hundred percent the rest of the regular season. Maybe for the bowl game, but he did say after the game that he should be one hundred percent going into Vanderbilt. So for Matt Corral, 100% is probably 88%, 85%. But Matt Corral at 85% is better than pretty much every other quarterback in college football. So as long as you can get him close enough, I guess that's good enough. Chad Martin at SM Rebel 13. What did A&M do different to shut us down in the second half? Kind of touched on that already. Yeah, I, I think that they were, um, you know, obviously they were, they were running too high early on, so we are hitting the middle of the field. I think they started mixing up the coverage a little bit. They started bringing, um, you know, they started bringing that safety down the edge. They really taking away, you know, like like you said earlier, man. They were they weren't even honoring the quarterback run. I mean, they were they were they were you know spiking down for the running back. Um, I think giving some different looks there um, in the second half, which was um, you know, it's just one of those things, man. They, they had ten TFLs, so they obviously did a good job on defense. But um, you know, the, the, the second half, it just um, it, it just it just felt different. Teddy Fridgewater at Teddy B sixty seven. Am I crazy for being disappointed in potentially going ten and two? Tell me, it's just me. You would be disappointed in Ole Miss's first ten win regular season. Yeah, it's just you. It's yeah, just you. That, <laughs> Come on. Yeah, that's that's bad, man. I mean, you, there's not many times in history where we where we've been that way, and you know, we we really have one bad loss. Um, and um, yeah, we're, we're we're if we go ten and two, man, you should be more than happy. We're two and is years it really a bad loss if you've been so banged up and injured? Come on, it's unfortunate. Ole Miss has been banged up, but that's why they lost to Auburn. Fully healthy, Ole Miss wins out. If you want to be disappointed because of the injuries, okay, I buy that. But ten and two, no. D O at O L M Stead Inc. The defense bailed out a lot of bad offensive calls and fourth down calls. In hindsight, does Kiffin still think he's a genius, or does he learn from his mistakes and realize the defense saved him from a poorly called game? I mean, I think that's a, a that's 
that's a fair assessment to a sense. Um, you know, I think he was just trying to, you know, actually the people get mad at the, at the fake field goal and, and it's certainly what the smartest call, but it was there. It was honestly was there. If, if, if they would have, if, if Casey Kelly would have came behind them and, and kind of, you know, he was celebrated early on that. Like if he comes and hits the punter in the back and, and kind of propels that, that pile forward, you know, we, it's, we get that, we get that there. And, you know, it's not, not an ideal call, but you know, that's, that's Kiffin, man. Like, like just, just get on board and accept it. He's going to go for fourth downs. He's going to do crazy calls when it works. Everybody's happy. Just like he went for the fourth down on, down there on their side. And we had a touchdown. Everybody don't, doesn't remember that. What if we get stuff there? You know what I mean? So he follows you know, the book. I, I'm not buying the book thing. I can't get into the book thing, but yeah, he's gonna, He's aggressive as hell. Let's just put it that way. Whether, whether the book says it or not, He's going to be that way, accept it, and there's going to be some times where we win the games because of it, and there's going to be some times where we lose because of it. I do agree that it's not strictly by the book. It's not strictly by the book. <laughs> no chance. It's not. Some of it is him going by his gut. He said as much. But I will say, mm-hmm. if the book says in a particular situation that it's pretty obvious for new age football to go for it, he's going to go for it. So that's where he the, follows the The book. reason I don't buy the book is because there is no book in America <laughs> That says you should not kick the points and go up eighteen to ten in a game. Yeah, so, I didn't buy that one. Well, I mean, I yeah. think the book situationally says go for it, but maybe don't put the ball in the hands of your punter. And also, there is a game flow that you have to consider—a hunch that you have to feel or take in that situation. While yeah, the, the book eight, mathematically the would say go for so, it, it would say go for it. In that game, eight points felt like two touchdowns. Oh my gosh, I know, especially in that point in the game. I mean, it's um, and and uh, also I think right there on um, I forgot what point in the game it was. Um, maybe it was thirteen. I don't know. One of them. One of them. We we went. I think when we went for the fourth down. We should have took the points there. Um, or you know, down on down on two yard line just because it was. Yeah. I forgot what point in the game it was. I think it would, it would have been sixteen to nothing or something like that. Yeah. Um, which that's that's two scores, two 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 point conversions. So. Um, I don't know. I mean, this is, what, this is what you got. This is what he's going to do. Just accept it, have fun with it, whatever. Um, blame blame it on, on him when it's bad and, and praise him when it's good. But you're right. They went for it on fourth down and scored a touchdown. No one talks about that. You do talk about the ones you don't get. That's kind of the trade-off. Justin yep. Bush at Bush Justin D. How can we go about making our fourth quarter stadium song a song by Katy Perry, similar to Florida's I Won't Back Down by Tom Petty? Follow-up question, which Katy Perry song would y'all choose? Hit up Paris Buchanan on Twitter. Paris Buchanan would have a say in whether or not she can play a Katy Perry song in the fourth quarter. I like the idea. And if you're going to do it, play Roar. Justin Bush at Bush Justin D. Why do you think Lane Kiffin was a celebrity picker? Well, they tried to get a couple of former players. They tried to get Katy Perry back, and he was kind of the last option, last good option of the options they had in a short time frame. They had a couple of no's. I think Patrick Willis couldn't do it. I don't know if Dexter could do it or not. But that's what I was told. And last one, Corey Clark at CRC underscore 91. Why was the Jake Springer targeting ejection call weaker than a newborn baby? Yeah, that was that, that hurt us a little bit, man. Springer's a, a difference maker in there. And um, losing him for essentially the whole second half was not ideal. Um, he, he hit the guy, but I don't think it was it was a was one an injection type hit. Hot take. That is targeting 10 times out of 10. Whether you yeah. agree or not. It is targeting by the book. There was no intent. He wasn't trying to target, but that is targeting. It'll get called. It'll get flagged, and the kid will get ejected every single time. He did not intend to go in there leading with his helmet, but that is by the book targeting. So hot take, it was the right call. 
Ole Miss next plays Vanderbilt on Saturday. Then it's the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving. This has been the Blue Delta Jeans Morning After Show. If you haven't already, subscribe, review Talk of Champions and iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say. As long as it's five stars, this podcast can be found wherever you get your podcast. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of own3.com, where Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet, also contributes. I'm at SpiritBit on Twitter. Thank you, buddy. I'll see you next week. See you, Ben. Howdy, Toddy. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.